Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. to be able to, um, to to get the meat. And then you're not just even feeding yourself, but the aim is then that you've got something to be able to, to feed to others as well. And um, this year, as a church, we've kind of called this year our year of prayer, where we're really spending time looking uh, at prayer. And we don't want to just do that without linking it to um, the Bible. Because Jesus said one day that, that God's looking for people who worship him in spirit and truth. It's like the two things are linked, that, that you can be, you know, having your spirit connected in some way, but you also want to make sure that you're connected in a way that's truth. And, and uh, the Bible helps us. We've been seeing how, uh, how it says, it, the Bible says about itself, it, it's sweeter than honey. That's the, the, the phrase that gets used uh, to describe the Bible about itself. What they would do, um, little children in synagogues uh, in Jesus' day, 2,000 years ago, they would be given... A um, like a, a, a slate on, on their first day at school, and it was covered in honey. And then they would be presented with this slate, and it was unlike our kids who were kind of raised on Harry Bow and everything you name it. Like they never got sweets; they didn't get that. But they would they would write on, on, on this on this on this uh, you know something of the word of God on the slate. They would cover it with honey, and then the kids would get to taste the honey. And it was like making this mental connection that this is the most exotic, this is the most wonderful, never-to-be-forgotten, amazing experience that, that God's word is so sweet. It is such the best thing that you can do. And um, I wonder if more people would read the Bible if we had that kind of picture in terms of what Bible study was like. Then you'd, you'd be motivated it wouldn't be having to be motivated to be able to read the Bible because you would taste and you would see this is good. And if you uh, are able at all to come this evening to Ivy Central, I'm speaking tonight at seven o'clock again, I'm going to show you a technique that I've used over the years that's really helped me to not just read my Bible, but to feed off it in a more strategic way so that it integrates into every part of my life in different ways. And, um, and it isn't like a separate thing. It's something that, that, that kind of goes into... All the rest of our life. Somebody in the prayer time earlier before they said that they saw this picture of like an ink blot blotting onto the paper and then spreading out across. And I wonder if that's something of what God wants his word to do in our lives. That it's like it drops in and spreads out into our lives, into every area. And so Lord, I pray that as we look at your word today, that that's what would be happening. That your word would go deep into us and, um, and, and help us to be able to... Live more for you and like you in this world, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before I like tonight, I'm going to look at some things around what we do. I want to look to, today, as we finish the series, on why. Why is this so important? Why do Christians believe it's so important for us to read the Bible? And not just to read the Bible, but to read the Bible every day. It seems like a lot, doesn't it? You know, there's a lot. it's a lot. I'm, I'm busy. I've got stuff to do. So... Um, the why is important because actually for God, why you do something is at least as important, in fact, probably more important than what we do. One time, famously, 
Um, God was looking for somebody to, to use in an amazing way in the Bible. And he, he told a prophet called Samuel to go and, uh, and pick somebody. He ended up picking a guy called David. He went on to be the king. But when he was looking for uh, the qualities of this person that he wanted to use, he said this. He said, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's talking about motivations. It's saying attitudes matter. It's entirely possible to do the right thing with the wrong motive and it doesn't matter. It's like, you know, you can go to church. I, I went, before I knew God, before I became a Christian, to test it out when I was a teenage boy through Lent, I decided I was going to find out if God was real. So what I did was, in a kind of, all right, well, God show me way, I went along every single day in Lent that I could in a week. I got the early bus and I went to church and I sat there in church in a kind of prove it way to God. I was 14. I, was, I knew everything anyway, you know, at 14. And, uh, and I was like, it was a statue of Jesus. It was that kind of a church and, you know, on a cross. And I was like, make the statue cry. Do something amazing. Make the make you know lightning flash or speak, and, and nothing happened because see, it was on my terms. I was saying how I wanted God to be, and guess what? He's God, and He doesn't have to do that. And um, there's a another, there's a king after David called Amaziah, and his problem was he did what was right. It says in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. And what? should have been a victory for him as a result of it turned into his defeat it actually became a downfall because he was doing something but he was doing it with the wrong attitude the fact is what we're talking about in all of this series is it's great to make room and space in your life for more of god to grow your spirit and one of the best things that you can do that is to make time every day to be able to to uh, read your bible and i say make time because guess what it doesn't just happen I've discovered that. I'm, I'm also busy, believe it or not. I have things that I have to do as well. And, you know, we look around and we think we're the most busy person in the world. That's the way we can sometimes feel. But actually, everybody's busy. Everybody's got stuff. It's about what we decide is most important to us. And this is not so that you can be a better, more religious person or whatever. It's because, actually, I want to get this twisted, am I? It's because it's sweet, not sour. It's not like, here's your medicine, you've got to eat it, you know, cod liver oil. The Bible doesn't say it's cod liver oil, it says it's honey. This is not like, hold your nose and take your medicine. It's not, I got to do it, it's, I get to do it. Huge difference. Sometimes, all religion, sometimes Christianity has been presented as stuff that you've got to do, rather than things that you get to do. So it's not, I've got to read my Bible, I've got to pray. That's religion, that's ritual. It's, I get to. That's relationship. If you've ever been in love, hands up. A few people have been in love. Probably tell some stories. Imagine, I mean, I remember when I first met Zoe, and I, I just thought, like, I was pretty much heading over heels really quick. I remember walking around my beat as a policeman in Manchester, going, saying in England, Zoe, Zoe, Zoe. I thought it was like the most, the most gorgeous and most amazing name, Zoe. And I'd wait, and on my lunchtime breaks or whatever, I'd call her on the phone because we had 
phones that you were, you, you know, it was like that. You, you couldn't just, call, you couldn't walk, you couldn't just do it. I don't, I dread to think. I would have been the worst policeman in the world. I would have been like crime going on over there. And I'm like, Zoe, hello. Oh, Zoe, are you there? Oh, can I help you, Mr. Robber? Zoe. Because <laughs> I, I was, I was like, so, and now imagine if, imagine if she'd written me a note. Imagine if she, imagine if she'd written me a love letter. And then she said to me, hey, did you read it? And I'm like, oh, I've been really busy. I've had stuff to do, you know. See, if we think of the Bible as being a love letter, does that change things? If you think of it as being about the story of how much God loves me and the, the, the good things that he wants to do in my life, then it isn't that I've got to do it. It's I get to do it. It's not a duty. That's a shift of focus. It's a change of heart. Nobody has to make me read the Bible. I'm motivated. I want to do it because you'll always find time to do what you most want to do. So what you're finding time for is pretty much about the stuff that you most want to do. Oh, I haven't got time to read my Bible. I've got to finish that box set. You know, I've got to get to the end of that series. I've got to, I've got to, I've got time to be able to do that. I've got to go to work. I've got to make money. Well, is that saying something about my priorities? Sorry to annoy people. Because maybe I'm getting my priorities wrong. I'm, I'm hoping there'll be time left over for God. See, I, it isn't for me when I get the Bible. It's not I've got to read this. It's I get to read this. And I get to read it every day. And I pretty much have for over 30 years. And it's an answer to prayer every time. What do you mean it's an answer to prayer? It's because every time I read the Bible, every time I'm, I'm connecting with God and praying and, and reading his word, and to be honest with you, it's not always like, oh, wow, it's amazing, and God's saying something fresh to me. Or something. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, and then maybe there'll be a word or something that will, or maybe it'll come back to me later on. That's the way it is usually for me. I don't know, you know, make this into some picture where you think, oh, well, Anthony reads the Bible and he opens it up and this light shines from heaven and angels start to sing and harps start to play every time. That's not my general experience. <laughs> but this is daily bread. So I'm reading this answer to prayer is that Jesus said that we should pray the Lord's Prayer, which in it he says, give us today our daily bread. Say daily bread. Daily, daily bread. Jesus said, like we heard this last week, you're not made to live just by bread alone, but on every word that God speaks to us. It's like God wants to speak to us. His word for us is his bread to us. His word for us is his bread to us. And he wants us to grow stronger. And the way that that happens is that, that we eat the daily bread. How many of us brushed our teeth in the last 24 hours? Please put your hand. I'm hoping most people are going to put their hands. If you don't, move away from the person who didn't put their hand. <laughs> who made you do that? Who made you? The dentist made you. Wow. I, I've got self-motivation around that, to be honest with you. Um, how many of you ate something physically in the last 24 hours? Who made you? Nobody made you. But you made time. You made food. You made yourself available. You did it. Maybe it was something quick, maybe it was longer, I don't know, but, and hands up if you intend to eat again sometime soon. It doesn't just happen, you know, we, you plan for it, you make time for it, 
you prepare for it. Maybe it's a short thing, maybe it's a long thing. But you, sometimes you'll sit down, sometimes it's on the go. But you need to do it. Why do you need to do it? You know that you need to do it because you need to be physically healthy. So you're going to make sure that you eat food. And um, so I've got, you know, the Bible talks about itself as being bread. I've got here some bread that I bought today. Yeah? Great. Who wants to eat the bread? Anybody like the bread? You don't have to do it because this is an illustration. I'm going to make anybody eat bread. So hands up if you like the bread. Yeah, yeah. Daily bread. Okay. I've also got some in here that I bought last week. Um, it's been sitting in the bread bin. It's got some little green, interesting green things on it, I noticed. Who wants to eat the bread? Anybody? No, I don't think so. We want daily bread. I don't want last week's bread. Sometimes, here's what, even when people come to church, here's what, that's how they live. They basically live week to week. They live Sunday to Sunday. Somebody else gets some bread. You open your mouth, they put the bread in your mouth for you. It's stuff that they, I mean, it's even worse than this. I sometimes think it's like baby birds because mama bird goes over and, and gets the food, then comes back to the nest and the baby sit there like, and then, she kind of takes the stuff that she sort of basically regurgitates and puts in their beaks. That's so often how church has been set up. That's not the people's fault. It's the way church has been set up. I, you know, that the preacher sees himself as the feeder of the people. Well, I think the Bible wants us to be self-feeders. He wants us to be mature. He wants us to grow up. That's what God wants us for us. Not just so that I, I get fed, but I learn to feed myself so then I can feed others and that yeah I get fed because I need this bread I need to grow to learn emotionally spiritually mentally God has got wisdom God has got ways to help me and I need that I don't just need that week one week at a time I need that every single day who ate last Sunday hands up can you remember what you ate some people are just like, well, Sunday lunch. <laughs> I have Sunday lunch or whatever. Candy floss, if you're here, apparently. Yeah? Usually, usually we can't even remember what we ate last week. And that can also be true spiritually, if we're honest. You'd be coming along to church. It's like, what was it? Oh, it was about the Bible, I think. You know, there was a, 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 a guy got asked about, um, you know, somebody said, uh, what was the preacher preaching about last Sunday? And he says, oh, it was about sin. And what did he say? Oh, I think he was kind of against it. See, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so imagine if the only thing that you'd eaten was what you ate last Sunday. Till now. How would you feel? Starving. You'd be starving. Would you be healthy? Would you be dizzy? Would you be feeling like, oh man. But again, Christians, we can live like that. We can be like that. And then we wonder why people will say, you know what, my faith it feels a bit, a bit stale. I kind of feel like, like the God thing, it's gone a bit, a bit stale. And I'm like, are you eating daily bread? Because maybe it's not God's fault. Maybe that's actually one of the things that the Bible talks about in terms of repentance. Where you don't just say, oh yeah, that's me, yeah, I suppose so. No, no. Actually, repentance means I've heard God's truth. I'm going to change my life and my practice as a result of God speaking to me. I'm going to do things differently. I'm not going to say it's God's fault when it's my fault. Nobody likes me now. 
I, I know exactly what this is like because I was like that for a long time as a Christian myself. And then I had a moment, and this is what changed the trajectory of my life. I talked about it a few times, where basically I was I was in the police, and I was I was about to go and do a, a sergeant's and inspector's examinations, which would mean I need to learn a book about this thick called the Manual of Guidance. I had to memorise the whole thing, and a friend of mine was going to give me the book for free, so it would cost me it would cost me a lot of money. I was really happy. I went upstairs. I was in our first house, and I was praying in the bath. Don't put picture that. And I was like, God, bless my plan. Which is something from the prayer we pray sometimes. I wasn't asking him for his plan. I was saying, God, bless my plan. And then I went into the bedroom, and I can't explain it other than, you know, it sounds weird. It doesn't happen to me every day. It happened then. God was there. There was a sense of God's presence so tangibly in the room. It was undeniable. And I went to the side of the bed, and I knelt down by the side of the bed in a kind of hide myself, but I know God's here. Hello, Lord. Sort of way. And then I had to pick up, there was two books next to my bed. One was the Bible, the other one was a book by a guy called Billy Gray called Approaching Hoofbeats. And I knew I should pick that book up. And in this book it said this, as I opened it, like the words went, it said, he was instead to devote himself to studying God's word. Then God would show him what he wanted him to do. Completely out of context. But that was what it was. And it was like God was saying to me, I don't want you to look, the, the time and the, the stuff that, you're gonna, that you put into your work, into the things that are for you in your business life, if you like, I want you to devote at least as much effort and energy into my word. And if you do that, I'll show you what I want you to do. I won't just, it won't just be about you getting your plans blessed. It'll be about my plans being unrolled out in your life. And so I made a decision at that point, and actually I stayed in the police for a number of years, for about, I think it was about seven years. During that time, after that, I read at least 12 chapters of the Bible every single day, and I was working three shifts, sometimes 12-hour shifts. I made a commitment, I made a decision. I didn't go to sleep until I did it. Now, to be honest with you, it was bonkers. I don't say everybody should do that. That was what I was doing at that time in response to that. I'm so glad looking back that I did because it got the Bible in me. So now I've got the Bible in me to be able to give to other people. But if you want to get the Bible in you, you've got to get the Bible in you. And nobody can put it in you except you. See, I can try and feed you, but you've got to learn. We've all have to learn to feed ourselves. And this is about wholehearted. This is about expectancy. This isn't, I've got to do it. This is like the most important VIP in the universe has written me a letter, wants to connect and communicate with me. I'm going to make that more important than emails. I'm going to make that more important than Facebook. The most important person in the whole of the universe who showed his love for me so much that he came and he bled and he died and rose again so that I could have my past forgiven and a new life with him. He wants to communicate with me every single day. But I'm like... Uh, busy something wrong with that it's like I've forgotten what a privilege it was what it really is when you open the Bible you are connecting with somebody we believe who is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who clearly wants to express his love for me give me his wisdom and his help the creator, the redeemer deserves the best so I want to give him my best I want to give him my full attention I don't just want to do it in a kind of oh, you know, one line in some devotional as I'm going off to bed or something even that that's not deserving of the kind of meeting that we're talking about. I want to give my full attention. I want to give you my best. When are you at your best? Do you give your best to the best? See, people are different. Not everybody's a morning person. You know, hands up. Again, we're doing lots of hands up. Hands up if you're a morning person. 
Hands up if you're not a morning person. Interesting how I can see sometimes this happens with married couples quite often. One is one and one is the other. Um, who hates mornings? Just be honest. Right. Who hates people who love mornings? No, I'm only joking. <laughs> see, I've, I'm not always brilliant in the morning. But I've made a decision to start every day reading the Bible. I do it on a thing called uh, version, which is a free app which you can uh, listen to and even have it read for you. I, I, I listen along and read along, follow it over at the moment. I'm doing four chapters a day about which gets me through the Bible in a year, which has been my practice for years since. So I'm continually going through the whole Bible every year. I do it early. I want to give God the best. I, I want him to start the day off. I want to start the day off saying, God, you're in charge of the world. I'm not. So, so I, I can trust you with it. And... I don't, want to, I don't want to be reactive to, to Facebook messages and texts and I want to be led by God, not by what everybody else thinks I should be doing today. So, I, you know, I get up a little bit earlier to do that. Give him the best and he'll bless the rest. That's a principle for everything. And yeah, I know maybe you work shifts or because I've travelled as well, various places and, I, and I've I found that the best time for you, for me, isn't always the same, but, but basically the best time for you is when you give your best, when you're at your best. I don't want to give work my best and God the leftovers. I found that when I give my best to God, he blesses my work. Way beyond what I could do anyway. So put him first. Anything else that's first is an idol. And your best time might be different, as we've already seen from the person sitting next to you. There are times, the Bible says, Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. I'm going to talk about this tonight. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. As I say, I'm going to dig into that tonight. But the problem is, sometimes people say, well, that's what Jesus did, so that's what we've got to do. We've got to get up really early every morning to pray. But what if he didn't? What I mean by that is, what if he didn't always get up very early in the morning to pray? The reason why they put it in is because actually that's unusual for Jesus. Actually, he was a lie-in kind of a guy. And, you know, I, don't, I want a coffee first. I don't know. Maybe not coffee. But maybe the reason it's mentioned is because it's unusual, not the practice. But religion wants to make it into something you have to do rather than something that you get to do. A command rather than an invitation. And I don't want to do that for everybody today. In the, you know, please take the spirit in which I'm saying these things. If you want to get up early in the morning and be able to spend some time in the Bible, that's cool. If, that, if, but if it's not then, when is your best time? Not just when's your leftover time. God's worth more than that. Isn't he? Sometimes I get up early when it's quiet. There's nobody else about and it's amazing. But I know me and if I try to do that every day, I'd be like super grumpy within about four days. Not even God would want to be around me after four or five days of doing that. I read a book called Daily Rituals recently where the author detailed a typical day for around 50 what you could kind of high-performing people in history. Artists, the greatest musicians, the greatest thinkers. And what you find is they, there was no single routine that all these people had. Some of them do some pretty weird things. Mozart worked late into the night. Beethoven was most productive at the crack of dawn. There's an optimal hour and time for you. Don't impose it on anybody else. 
it's not right and wrong, it's different, but find your groove. The people who produce the most aren't the ones who are all the same as everybody else, but they're the ones who know what they're like and what works best for them and they work with that. And if, as I say that, your immediate thought is, all oh, right, so this is all about how I get my best work done rather than how I get my best time with God, maybe there's a check there that we need to have about what's most important. Because when I said Jesus is Lord, that meant something. Jesus doesn't want to just be tagged on to anybody's life. He comes to take over. He comes to be in charge of our lives. He's the most important person in any room, in any place, at any time. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, not the last on the list. So these individuals, they, they found ways to optimise their life around their respective chronotypes is the word that he used. The scientists call it that. It's about the ebb and flow of your hormones and all the energy that you experience throughout 24 hours. And yours is different than somebody else's. So the scientists in these studies refer to the people who are like up in the morning, early morning, they're the larks. And the people who are like the other stuff, guess what, they're the owls. So again, some people put a wing up before, some with the lark, some people with the owls. It's not right and it's not wrong. It's you, it's how, which one are you? And you can track that, you can find it out, your, your chronotype. You could go and have blood work tests done to be able to find that out. But actually, save yourself some money, ask people who know you. Because <laughs> they're probably gonna be able to tell you. When do I do my best? When am I at my best? I find it doesn't, see I find this doesn't just happen for me, I have to plan it and I, and I plan around my priorities. So I have every Monday morning, for instance, if you look at my calendar now, you'd be able to see in my, in my calendar, I've got a morning time on Monday morning, a, 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 I call it hour of power. Monday morning, I spend an hour reading the Bible and praying and also then I look at the rest of the week and that sets my week and I'm, I'm looking at what, what are my priorities this week? I don't want to just live reacting. I want to be proactive. What are the most important things I've got to accomplish? And I'll say a little prayer about this interaction or those kind of things. Just I want to I want to order my days. I want God to order my days. So I put that in. And throughout on, on different days, you'll see meet with JC in my calendar. Guess who JC is? <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, because for me, I, I work for him, yeah, but I want to work with him and I want him to be in charge. So I put time in my calendar. I find if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't happen. All kinds of other stuff wants to push that time out for me and for you. But I put them in first because it's most important. It's most important to me. But you know what? It's not just most important to me. It's most important to him. I think this is the thing that we forget. It's the thing that I forget. Because I can wait and keep putting it off and wait until he... When do we wait until... Until it gets quieter. Have you found yet that day never really comes? And then you're dead. Yeah. And then it gets really quiet. <laughs> but, but when I start off by putting God first, it's like, that's my daily bread. And it makes such a difference. And I think, I see, I look forward to those times. But most important to me, even with that is, I think he looks forward to it. Because this is a relationship. I don't want to stand him up. This is because 
he loves it. I was reading about a Scottish essayist called Thomas Carlyle, and he married a lady called Jane, Jane Welch, who had devoted her life to him and helping him in his work, but then they got married, and she, she went from being his secretary to being his wife. But then it said that he got, he just carried on with his work more and more, and he became famous, he travelled to London a lot. And then she was in an accident, she was in a, a carriage rolled over, and, uh, and within a few weeks, suddenly, quite young, she died. And um, it was only then that he went to a room and he opened up her diary, and he read the things that she put in the diary, and she put things like this, yesterday he spent a whole hour with me, and it was like heaven. Oh, I love him so. Another day she wrote, I listened all day to hear his footsteps in the hall, but now it is late. I guess he won't come today. I do love him. And I'm reading that and I'm like, oh no, about my marriage and about my wife. But I'm also thinking, what about God? What about these times with, with God and his word and that he looks forward to them and he longs for them. And if it's a love relationship and, and it's a not just a duty but a joy, then it's not I got to do this, it's I get to do this. And I'm motivated by love. Not even just by how much I love him, but how much he loves me. And when we get that, it changes everything. So we're going to get the band to come up and uh, the leaders in, in worship, which kind of goes in from this. See, Thomas Carlyle, he, he, wrote, he wrote after this about his busyness. We're going to talk tonight about the curse of busyness. Well, he, he said, how blind and deaf I was. That's how he described himself looking back on how he'd been in that relationship. That he was like blind and deaf. Let's pray. Lord, I... Um, Thank you that now, in the middle of busy lives and busy times, thank you that people have made time to be here. And just in this next time of worship, as we continue, we want to give our best to you. And we also say thank you that we get to do this. Lord, help us to um, give our, our full attention to you now in worship. I don't know if you've ever thought before like this about how much God loves you. This isn't like how some people like to do religious things in church buildings. Or it, it is about love. It is a, we found somebody who loves us with an everlasting love. Somebody who said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Somebody who says whatever we've done wrong. He, came, he went to a cross and shed his blood so that all of that wrong could be washed away and I can have a fresh start and a new life. That's what this is about. And Lord, just fill our hearts with that love now. <coughs> Let that be our daily bread. Help us to desire this every day, not just to end up with some stale relationship. Because it's occasional, not intentional. Because it's duty, not joy. Because it's I to or I should do rather than I, I long to and I love to and I get to because that's what honours you and that's what delights your heart 
Help us to do this now wholeheartedly. Not just today, but tomorrow. To have an hour of power and then to have meetings. Actually, I'm going to encourage everybody, just in this moment, to think about, before you leave the place, to get your phone out, your diary out, and yourself as a decision this week. Slot some time in. Even if it just starts with one appointment, if you don't already do this, just put in there and meet with JC. And make that a priority. Make it of most importance that I meet with the most important person. I'm not going to tell you how long it should be, but put it in first or it will get squeezed out. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.